Hey everyone, welcome to episode 7 of The League Life. My name is Shnaz, Sam Shnazzy. I'm happy to say my friend Nathan Brooksy Brooks is here. How you doing, sir? Good, thanks, Shnaz. Lovely to be here with you. Bit of a new locale. We're doing it from Casa del Shnaz this week. What do you think? I like it. I'm on this couch. It's quite good. I'll have to get the deets off you. I think I might have to purchase one of these bad boys. It's a brown leather couch. Chocolate. Uh, and it's very comfortable, as you can probably tell by my voice. Marty McFly is looking over you. Yeah, all three Back to the Future posters, which is great. It's a good little addition to the lounge room. I like it. There's photos I can see of Schnaz and the Peach, David Peachy. There's a Vikings NFL ball, a couple of Dave Middleton annuals. Geez, a good DVD collection. And some 20 kilo dumbbell Schnaz working on the guns in the offseason. Sun's out, guns out, buddy. I have to mention, there's an amazing picture of Bruce Springsteen on the wall as well. Born to Run, the new album from Bruce Springsteen. It's only a couple of years old, that one, Schnaz. Possibly 30. <laughs> nah, it's a great one. Good to have you in the household, my friend. What a week it's been in rugby league. The game that keeps on giving, as they say. Today we're going to cover the last three teams and preview their seasons. And they will be the Cowboys, Broncos, and... The Roosters. It's pretty good timing with what happened last week with uh, the Roosters. Let's get into that now, Brooksy, that you mentioned the Cockledoo-Loo boys. Tell me what you're thinking about Mitchell Pierce. We were doing this episode with the Roosters, and I was going through my notes prior to sitting down with you, Schnaz, and I'd put a point here, and I think this best sums up the situation, I reckon, from my perspective about what's happened. I've got, this is Mitchell Pierce's season to shine and lead, with James Maloney obviously going to the Sharkies. Wow. I don't know what else to say. Did you just slap your thigh? I slapped my thigh. It's a thigh-slapping moment. No. It's very, very poignant what you say about his time to lead. That's blown my mind. A lot of my friends and fellow New South Wales fans I see on social media and discuss Mitchell Pierce's selection in the blue side as being a contentious one. And I think this would have been a season where he could have gone, you know what, I am the best halfback in New South Wales. The loss of Maloney and two of us Sheck isn't that bad because I'm going to steer this team around. I'm going to help develop Jackson Hastings. I'm going to help bring in all the young guys like your Jaden Nicaremas, your new guys like Joe Burgess, and actually lead. And look, he could have been doing that at training. But what he did on Australia Day just totally contradicts that for me. He's one of the captains of the Roosters. He's a club leader. He's played over 200 games. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you're around people that are drinking, that are around people that have phones. At the end of the day... You're leading a professional rugby league club, getting paid a lot of money by multiple sponsors, by multiple people, as Buddy Garrity would say, the boosters. Like, there's a lot of different people involved with the Sydney Roosters. And look, I'm all for for the players to have fun outside of the game and to have a few beers and enjoy those beers. But to act like that, even when being filmed, what we saw, he didn't even like go, ah, stop filming me. In a debaucherous state... No, nothing good can come from it. It's such a heated subject, Brooksy, and people's opinions are wide and varied, as they well should be. End of the day, it's up to him to be responsible and be a responsible human being. I don't care whether you're a footballer, a carpenter, 
an administration officer, a garbo or unemployed, or if you're the richest man on earth, there are certain morals and levels of, you know, human interaction that we should maintain, I think, in 2016 and beyond. It's gotten us this far, and they're slowly falling away. But it comes down to him. It's not about the guy who filmed it and made $60,000. Everyone's talking about him, and a lot of high-profile rugby league players and analysts are talking about that guy and what a bad bloke he is. Well, I'm not here to defend that guy. I'm not suggesting he's a good guy. I'm suggesting he's not really part of the problem. He doesn't matter. It's giving Mitchell Pearce more credit than he deserves in this situation. It's taking away a level of responsibility from him by going, the bloke shouldn't have filmed it and sent it off. No. He shouldn't have been acting that way. My life isn't that hard up that I need to know who that guy or girl was that, that filmed it and made the money. Everyone knows that that's the, the price. If someone gets caught, let's say I walk into a pub and I see an NRL player doing something, I know that it's minimum 60 grand. And this is what Steve Mascord sort of mentioned in his article, that it's not going to go away. If anything, it's gonna, it, the spotlight's going to be on these guys after hours. And that's where they've got to be careful. And so there's been moments where, you know, in the last few seasons where it's either CCTV footage or it's been mobile phones that have been used against players. We are in this era of 2016, and I hate the argument of, oh, but the players back in the 80s and 70s were just as bad, if not worse. Brooksy, there's no, there should be no argument. It's like, if you and I go out, and we have a good time, and that time leads to us acting in that way, we're responsible. It's not the pub who can't control us. It's not the person's party who we've burst our way through and try to have a good time in their place. It's not the person filming us. It's us. We can't handle our booze. We're acting like morons. The thing that I really have found quite annoying, and again, opinions are wide and varied, so mine is just one. The whole, he tried to kiss the girl, but she turned him away, and he was respectful about that, and that wasn't so bad. You can't go around kissing people unless they want to be kissed. That's, that's it. <laughs> you can't. I know it's like kind of seen in a, in a lighter portrayal and I completely understand a feminist or even doesn't have to be a feminist just anyone saying that was over the line because I in my opinion it was over the line what if that was my girlfriend would I find it funny it'd make you irate what if I was that girl's father yeah exactly he's copped a big punishment and more might be coming but I think and this is an outrageous statement for me but I think he's gotten off a little bit lightly in people's eyes it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks with regards to his father's role in the NRL. Obviously, Wayne is a part of the commission, the NRL commission. Now, we don't really see or hear, hear much from the commission, so... And this is probably the big time to step up, unfortunately. The ironic, the irony of it being that it's one of the sons of the people on the commission. I'm throwing out a challenge to people around the world, whether you're male, female, footballer or not footballer, can we all just get a grip, please? Can we handle our booze? And if we can't handle our booze, can we just stop? Can we walk away? I'm sick of walking through my city on a knife's edge and hoping that I don't bump into some guy and he absolutely kills me for looking him the wrong way. I'm sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's lighten up. That's got nothing to do with Mitchell Pierce. <laughs> I've gone off on a tirade here. Let's all just get a bit of control, people. Have fun. I love having fun. Brooksy, you know I love to have fun. Yeah. You like to have fun, too. Let's just... Be a bit more respectful. Come on. Exactly. Well put, Shaz. It paints the sport 
and the people who play the sport, the people involved who work for the sport, it paints them in a really bad picture. One really bad night for a guy paints everyone in the wrong picture. Just That's not fair. That's not good. Oh, and I've seen it on social media. I remember Adam Spencer saying it. Don't quote me exactly on this as his tweet, but he did say something, rugby league at its finest or something like that. And it's so true. Like, I, we are league fans. We love the sport. We love everything about it. You can't deny that. This is what happens. And we've got to, as a community, everyone, players, fans, got to stop this. Like Every single person involved in rugby league acts this way? I don't think so. It's just this generalization, which is fair enough, given what's gone on. It's just not right. And guys like Mitchell Pearce, and that's just one example. I'm not picking on him. He earns so much money, more than you and I will ever earn in our lives, you'd think. He has such a high profile in the game. He has so much going for him and given to him. And fair enough, he gives it back as well. He works hard for it. But come on, man. Let me let me ask you this, Brooksy, and we are going on about this a bit much, but I don't really care. Role model or not role model? Well, I was just about to say, he had a chance this year, and like I pointed to at the start of this segment, he had a chance to be the face of the Roosters. He had a chance to be their leader. He had a chance to take his game to the next level and to try and be the best halfback in the league. Are rugby league players and high-profile sports people role models? Definitely. I hear players from across code saying, I don't ask to be a role model. You are inadvertently. We're role model schnaz. Like, that's the thing. Like, to an extent, you don't even know some of the time. Like, remember the argument between Hansel and Zoolander. They didn't even know they respected each other. I was whack. No, I was whack. Like, that's it. Like, to paint an example, like, it's just... Sometimes you don't even know. It could be one of your best mates. It could be someone you don't know. It's a cop-out to say that you're not a role model. You didn't intend to be a role model. You're just out there to do your own thing. Because at the end of the day, everyone should be striving to be the greatest they can possibly be. And... People can learn from them, and that's how we live as a society, let alone in sport. I'm going to suggest when you're getting paid over $700,000 a year by a company, they think pretty highly of you, and you represent them, and you sign on for that deal. And if you sign on at 17 years old in that same company, and you're given $30,000 a year, you're representing the, the club, and the club represents the NRL. I'm not saying that Mitchell has done this, but it's naive to think that the money just appears out of nowhere. There is a bit from here and a bit from here and a bit from here that make up your contract in whatever sport you play. And that's that's it at the end of the day. The, the money comes from everywhere. And that's where you've got to be careful because... TV, leagues, club, club, sponsor, sponsors. fans. Fans, yeah. Everywhere. It comes from everywhere. Nathan, if you and I got into trouble, whether it be criminal or, for example, we were photographed doing something immoral or illegal and that got out, I'm pretty sure the people at the company we work for would want to have a chat to us. We're all representing someone. Like, Unless you're self-employed and living in a bubble, you're out there and you, you just got to maintain some control. I also just briefly, Brooksy, wanted to say, you know, drinking culture, rugby league, it's a society thing. It's not a rugby league thing. It happens in rugby league. I think we need to look at ways, and we have been, they have been doing that over the last four or five years, and it's been getting better. 
look at ways to make sure these guys don't end up spoiled rich brats like a lot of the sort of 25 year olds now are in the nyc as soon as you sign an nyc deal you have to do education within the game and you have to also study outside of the game for for a trade so to speak and i think that will shape these young men in a much better way they're getting taught about social media and about the drinking and all that responsibility but i do think that a guy like mitchell pierce i'm not saying that it's not partly his fault but you can imagine since he was 16 years old son of a famous footballer he's been told how good a footballer he is how he's going to be he was signed young he's played so many games for the roosters he's been put up in society because of his stature in the game he's played for new south wales he's won comps he's a rock star gus gould mentioned it the way these guys are, are treated every minute of their day is declared to be doing something they don't really get to think for themselves and that's the slightly older generation of league players now. I think the younger it is, it's getting a bit better. But I do think that that's where it becomes a rugby league problem. I tend to agree with you, Schnaz. It, it's not just the players. It's, it's, the te- it's everyone that's involved with the league that have to take a step back from this incident and realise what's going on in the NRL. It's obviously not just a one-off incident that's happened over the course of the last few years. It seems like that this is happening too much and... Unfortunately, we have to consider the fact that you could be filmed doing whatever at any stage of your day or night. That's the bubble that they live in. If you want to be an NRL star in 2016 and beyond... Yes or no, would you have given him a year off from the game? Looking at it from an outsider, I would say yes. You've got to make a stand here and... I I don't think it's necessarily just handing down that suspension. I think there's definitely... It's not just what happens to Mitchell. It happens. It's what happens to the other 500-odd players that are on full-time NRL contracts need to be aware of this situation. And each of the clubs, even though it hasn't affected them, the other 15 need to be involved as well in this process with their own players. Uh, even, you know, like you said, the younger guys, it, there, something needs to happen. It needs to stop and it's bring down the game. I just thought of one more thing, Schnaz, and I sort of touched on this earlier in the week. The disappointing thing for me, outside of the situation, this is this doesn't involve Mitchell as such. Fox and Channel 9 spent millions upon billions of dollars for the TV rights to the NRL over the next five years, the, the extension of the TV deal. Yet Channel 9 and the Daily Telegraph pay $60,000 to spread this video all over their shows and website. The two companies that forked out all that money to build up the game and to get ratings and to get sponsorship are ironically selling that video off for a fraction of that amount to expose a player of that league. Talk about him in a way that's just vulgar. I saw a few of the journos that reported this and I think their title of sports journalist is coming under scrutiny after the way they talked about this. They were pretty excited, weren't they? You know how much I hate TMZ Sports in the US. Perez Hilton started this wing of his paparazzi into sports, and now it's infiltrating Australian sport, but it's the sports journalists that are doing it. I think they have to work out what they want to report and what sort of dignity they want to uphold in their career as journalists because 
I've somewhat lost a bit of respect for those guys because at the end of the day, I thought they were guys that I would follow to get really good hard-hitting stories about the NRL. They're turning into tabloid reporters. And unfortunately, if you want to report on that stuff and you want to lead with that stuff, that's all well and good. But I think your respect levels with particular fans are going to drop. A fair way of handling it would have been, of course, cover the story, but maybe don't pay that money and also try and keep it a little bit above the gutter, even though it was a below-the-gutter kind of incident. Yep. Yeah? At the end of the day, like, I don't have a massive problem with them doing it, but they have to consider what the fans are going to think of those journos afterwards. If they cover that story in the way that they have, then they the next week they're talking about the brilliance of Cooper Cronk and what a great player he is and why he's a great player. You're not really going to buy into that. You're just going to think, are you really waiting for him just to fall on his bum and do yeah, something stupid? Exactly right. Oh, he, goes. he lands Nathan on friend. the top. Oh, look at that. He's done a wall. Nathan Friend, it may be the greatest piece of gymnastics rugby league you've ever seen. I guess in some positive news, <laughs> hey. uh, something that I saw... This week, Shnaz, the NRL's taking some regular season games over to Perth once again, but the NRL have decided to take the end of season Australia Kangaroos v Kiwis test to Perth, to NIB Stadium, a stadium that's built specifically for rectangle sports. I, I was there for a Socceroos game this year, uh, last year, 2015. You get around, Brooksy, don't you? You're in Melbourne, you're in Perth. I definitely love my sports and I love getting over to Perth. It was only the second time I've been over there, but they definitely have a venue to hold such an event. It'll be 25,000 people. What do you think of Perth as a potential expansion city down the traction as? I think as long as they're ready and, and it's it's going to be a successful franchise off the off the field, then I'm, I'm all for it. It would make sense from a business point of view. Shnaz, hear me out here. I've got a crazy thought about moving to Perth no. and putting a team over there. There's an untapped resource that's quite close to Perth, well, relatively close to Perth, that I think could strengthen the game of rugby league. And I'm talking about a place called South Africa. There's over 50 million people that live over there, Shnaz, and they're a bit impartial to the game of rugby union over there. There could be a massive untapped resource of rugby league players in South Africa. If we get a team over there, I would love to see the NRL invest some money in getting some of those Springbok hopefuls over to Perth to play rugby league. You want to find the next Tian Strauss or or Jared Safi? Quite possibly. Here's my plan. Here's my plan. So they develop a Perth league, which already exists, but pump a bit more money into it so that... They can filter some of these South African hopefuls that probably didn't make the Curry Cup or Super Rugby into this league, and they can develop their skills into that league. Potentially move some of the guys from the East Coast states over there as well to strengthen their, or give them a bit of game time as well. And then that can be the feeder area for the Perth NRL squad. Wildcats. <laughs> Wildcats. Wildcats. The, well, the Angry Cats. Western Reds 2.0. We're getting a lot of money from these TV deals, and this would be a way to... Look, I know there's the Pacific, and that's great, and there's there's places that we haven't really extracted a lot of their talent into the NRL, but this is an, a wonderful opportunity to expand it in the Southern Hemisphere. I can see there'd be merit there for potentially feeding players into the Perth team rather than taking players from existing areas and weakening the NRL 
by expanding. I think, as always, you're ever thinking. I do see Nathan Merritt in what you're saying. Did you mean to say Nathan Merritt? Yes. That's me being funny. That's good. I like it. Thank you. I think that would be more of an afterthought than a reason to do it, obviously. I'm not suggesting that's what you're saying, but set up a Perth team where we're going to get some players, a couple of guys here, there. Hey, let's go to South Africa and see if there's any rugby guys or even rugby league guys. They must play rugby league somewhere in South Africa at some level and see if they're interested in coming over and trialling and living and maybe playing in the lower comps. They've been talking about Perth. They've been talking about Wellington, Central Coast, Central Queensland. There was speculation they'd bring in more teams for more games on TV and more money, but it hasn't happened. Uh, I don't know, Brooksy. I don't know when we're going to see it. They they are focusing on the 16 teams and strengthening those teams, and to a degree that's starting to happen. And Obviously, there's four or five teams that really need it at the moment, but I don't know, man. It's a good idea. It's an option. I'm throwing it out there. If anyone wants to pick it up, good on you. And I'm sure the WA Pirates would uh, enjoy this talk. And here's a try. If he can link up with Peachy, they're away. They won't catch David Peachy, will they? They will. Where's Preston? He's run away from him. Preston's on your inside. Now he's on your outside. They still won't get Peachy. He's going for the corner. Here comes the cover. They have tried. They've won a game. I don't believe it. So the Roosters have been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. As we mentioned. As we mentioned. They're still a heck of a franchise, and they're going to be a very competitive team this year. Don't write them off. Brooksy, they finished 2015 regular season like a cannonball. As they started the season three and five, and I remember Anzac Day, that crazy storm that happened. It was the best thing that happened to the Dragons. Is this another Dragons thing again? Welcome to the Dragon Den, the official St. George Illawarra Dragons it's podcast. It's the post-Dragon loss syndrome of 2015. Because as we mentioned with Cronulla... Sounds like an illness. As we, as we mentioned against Cronulla, turn their season around. Hey. And the same happened for the Roosters. So what you're saying is we have to lose to your mob, your evil, nasty mob, to rise above in the competition. That's what you're saying? Yes, pretty much. Because we were somewhat well, the benchmark at the start of the year. And then that benchmark was... Uh... We're talking about the Roosters. Anyway, anyway yes. They started 3-5, and five, but then after that, Schnaz, they went 15-1 and one to finish the regular season. That is awesome. That blows my mind. They won their mind. last 12 regular season games. It was the longest win streak of 2015, and people were thinking that they were going to ride that into the grand final. The big moment was them losing that tight one at home to the Storm, which made them have to play in week two against the Bulldogs. And we thought maybe it was just a hiccup that they needed to have, that loss to the Storm, before they went on and won three straight to win the title. They beat the Dogs convincingly, but remember that semi-final up in Brisbane. You were like, this is going to be a cracking game. And then one minute in... This is a kick. Low to the ground. Fielded on the wing. Oh, in the sack. I can't believe it. Darius Boyd has been presented a try. The like of which I don't know what I've ever seen before. One minute into the contest. Gary Belcher, my co-commentator, has collapsed on the ground. Yes, it was hard to come back from that, although it was only 6-0 early on, so that's not the reason they lost. 31-12, to they lost to the Broncos, and that was 
a pivotal moment, and that's something that I look for in rugby league games too, Shnaz. I reckon when someone stuffs up off the kickoff or in the first minute diabolically like SKD did, generally those teams don't go on to win the match. I've seen it before, and I couldn't help but notice that this was going to be a Broncos win when watching it live. They won their third straight minor premiership, and and that's a massive feat in this era. Great effort. It just shows you what sort of a coach Trent Robinson is. He is their strength. Forget about the young backs, the quick guys, the forward pack, the ferocious forward pack. Forget about that. Their coach is their strength. He's a great coach. And they had some great performers last year. Uh, you can you can go through the team. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, we've mentioned about him in the Warriors preview, how he set a new record for metres made. James Maloney finished the season off well. Michael Jennings was really good for them. JWH? Jared Warrior Hargraves. He, he missed a few games. I think he missed around seven or eight games throughout the year. But he was when he was playing, he was amazing. Their back row, which I'll touch on later, particularly Guerra and Cordner, they were all amazing. They, they had that team where it was, you know, their, their strength is just 1 through 13. They've got a, they've got a great starting lineup. But, Schnaz, in 2016, a lot of those guys are moving on. Roger Tuovasashek, James Maloney, Michael Jennings. That's three big losses. That's three of your back line right there. Maloney and Tuovasa Shek had 35 tries between them. There is that theory that they're doing it to buy a superstar or two in the coming years, but I don't know, man. Is that the way you want to play your football? Yeah, it was interesting that they let go Jennings. Talking about those losses, they did get a couple of backs to replace those three, but I'm not too sure if that will cover those three in terms of talent. Joe Burgess came over from Super League. Dale Copley, obviously, from the Broncos, as well as Jaden Nicarima. They got veteran hooker Ian Henderson from the Super League as well. Yeah, they, they lost Matty McElrick to your Sharks, so I think that's just a like-for-like swap there. Here's some stats for Joe Burgess over in Super League last year, Schnaz. He might cover some of that, that loss of uh, attack out in the wing, out in the backs. 23 tries over the course of 2015 with Wigan. That was third best in the Super League. He can play. He's, he's good. 2,723 metres off 269 runs, averaging 10.12 per run, which was fifth best. So he's looking to probably fill some of that RTS strike power. I don't think he's going to be their fullback. Now let's talk about the fullback position. It's widely known that Blake Ferguson will start at fullback. They have a young fella called Latrell Mitchell who's not ready yet, but they reckon he's going to be a superstar. There's former Warriors NYC player Omar Slimankel that came back from Japanese rugby last year. So they've got some options there at fullback. I'm a little worried about Fergo at fullback, and people who know me personally know that I have a bit of a thing against Fergo because of uh, the Sharks Sharks years, but that's not really that true. I, I see the talent that he has. Uh, I'm going to suggest he might be a little bit sheepish for fullback. Like, he doesn't seem to have that urgency that the fullback position might require. You can learn that. You can improve on that. So I may, I may be very, very wrong in that appraisal. Obviously, once he's got the ball, he can bust a few tackles. Not sure what he's like under the high ball. He's a very tall man. He was good out in the centres for him last year, and I 
remember going to a Monday night game against the Panthers. They could not stop him out on that right side. Like the big left, he, he bagged two tries. He possibly set up another, and he's going to be one of the. He's going to be, if not the veteran in the back line next year with. Sean Kenny Dow, whose future at the Roosters remains unclear. Just don't say the word role model. From what I said before about Mitchell Pearce having a season to shine and lead, the focus now goes on to Blake Ferguson. Uh-oh. This is a big time for him, and I think he's definitely origin material. I think you, Laurie Daly will consider him for origin. And if he does move to fullback, then he's going to have a massive role to play if Mitchell Pearce isn't there. They're likely going to line up Hastings and Nicarima in the halves. Oh, look, I'm not going to rule them out of anything this season. As I said, I have immense respect for their coach. They still have talent there. I'm not sure about Ferguson. Go either way. He could be the fullback of the year for all I know. So I'm not ruling that out. I just think there's a big question mark next to them. And it's going to be fascinating to watch them develop throughout the season. You'd think they'll get better as they go along. They've got Mitchell Orbison as well, and he can fit in in the backs and the forwards. And look, I I want to say this right now. I, I think he is the most underrated player in the NRL. He's not the best player. I don't think he's in the top 20. But what he does for that club is so, so valuable. And this season is going to be evident of that. He plays in multiple positions every season. He goes about his duty. He's been selected in the 17 for the last however long. He's been around at the Roosters. He might, like They see him as a valuable asset. And look, those players don't get that many shout-outs in the media. And I really like Mitchell Orbison. And like I said, I don't think he's the most talented player in the league, but he he's so valuable to him now. Not just being able to fill those positions, but having someone like that in your club, like they'll be able to bring the like be able to lead these young guys that they've recruited or potentially going to throw into these roles that were filled by their stars and veterans and hopefully get the best out of them for this season. Brooksy, every Monday morning when we get together at our workplace, all you ever want to talk about is either your nasty dragons or the back row of the roosters and Boyd Cordner and Aiden Guerra. That's all you talk about. The floor of the triassist stat is no no more evident with Guerra and Cordner. The way they run off the ball for the outside backs for the roosters, everyone bangs on about the Bulldogs decoy runners and how, how they're playmakers and they get to the line and pass the ball. These guys... Don't touch the ball. They run these angles that draw in one, two, three defenders. Fullbacks come in, rush up on them. They had five tries combined last year, Schnaz. But I tell you what, they were involved in a lot more of that than what the stats say in terms of assisting tries. Are you suggesting that we needed decoy stats? For them, it doesn't have to be a stat that we need to see the league leaders and how many per game, but... It's something that is so crucial to their team. Guerra really stepped up last year as well. He's obviously loving playing in that Queensland origin side. He made, on average, 35 tackles per game and scored five tries. He and Cordner are the future, I guess, for the Roosters. I guess now there was talk of Cordner going to Newcastle, but with all this cap space freed up, and potential for signing external players. I think they've got to think about keep tying those guys down. Corner's off contract at the end of the year. There's quite a few guys going off contract in 2017, and and one of them is Aiden Guerra. So over the next two seasons, that'll be the focus for the Roosters. This is the forward pack I see them 
starting with in round one. Tukiaho, Cordner, Guerra, Dylan Napa, Jake Friend, and Jared Warrior Hargraves. More than solid. Love it. And then, as we mentioned before, Mitch Orbison can be... How are we pronouncing the lock forward's name? Tukiaho. He is an outstanding talent. I love watching him play. I remember watching him for the Warriors in Holden Cup couple of seasons ago and I think he was lining up in the centers for them out there. In the centers. Yeah, he was he oh was my God. he was destructive. Go into work on next time you're in Schnaz and have a look at his stats. I think we did full stats for the Holden Cup that year and uh he was impressive. And then you just look at their depth that they've got. Like you got Isaac Glue, obviously Mitch Orbison, which we touched on, Sam Moa, Kane Evans. They've got a good forward pack. They're gonna have to probably step up and get the meters and and set up the backs to be in good field position and I don't doubt that they can do that. Cordner and Guerra, as I mentioned before, they're just as involved in the play as the halves were in setting up those tries. So let's see how they go this year. I think I think they will be one of the teams that will be on the decline. Well, you take away Maloney and RTS, and that is, and even Jennings to an extent, that is a lot of strike power from last year to this year. So they need to make up for that, and whether they can do that to that same level, that is the question, I would think. I'd like to see some of the players like Daniel Tupo, Kane Evans in particular, get more involved in 2016. Well, Tupo played Origin. Kane Evans has been on the cusp of the Origin emerging team, and I think they're the sort of guys that have to, you know, probably put in a little extra 10% on game day, and particularly Tupo, like now that they've lost so much out there. It must be frustrating being a coach of any team in any sport around the world when you see and know that your players have this potential and to get them up for that game time and then when it doesn't happen from time to time, whether it's week in, week out or once a month or whatever, to try and deal with that frustration as a coach. I look at Daniel Tupo and what I see is a tall, athletic, young fella with a lot of skill and seemingly, this is just me looking at him, maybe wrong, doesn't have the desire, and in, in, in inverted commas desire, as in like urgency, angst, aggression, to be a really, really powerful winger. And you don't have to be a powerful... You could, you could be a, a classy, silky winger for all I know. But he, just, he seems to be missing that kind of 10% you're speaking about. But if he lifted, and I think they should definitely kick to him more. That was a very big strength of theirs. He's obviously good in the air with the ball. But yeah, I, I, I often wonder about that. Sitting up in the stands watching a team and just like, what are you doing? This is your job. Go do it. You feel like he's just on the cusp of having like a 20-try season. And I remember a couple of the guys at work going, oh, he's going to be up there for the try scorers list. You know, he was always one of those like 100-to-1 shots that you thought, that's good value. He did have 16 last year. I think he could be the focus of a lot of that play uh, down the left, whether it be a kick or, you know, let's say it's Ferguson at the back chiming in running off one of those those edge players as well. So, look. And that's what we're talking about, just getting more involved and, and become a dominant first grader. Yeah, maybe call the centre out and go, look, get me involved. He- Could be a case of him maturing more as the years go on, he'll become that yep. player. Yep. So, maybe we're being a little bit harsh on him, but... No, we're, I think we're asking, we're asking him to step up. Like, I, I see him as a talented player. I don't think he... I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the NRL. Or if Perth comes into the comp, maybe there's a spot for him. But like, I think the thing is that he needs to step up again. Like, Step Up is sponsoring this uh, Roosters segment, I think, Schnaz. The movie Step Up featuring Channing Tatum, maybe? It's their time. It's their time to say, hey, w- now that we've got, we're going to get 
a bit of more attention because of a few of the veterans leaving. It's time for us to show, you know what? Thanks for blooding us, and now it's and now it's our time to shine. I think they might drop out of that top four. I think this is the end of their minor premiership run. But I think they'll still probably be playing finals football. Brooksy, I agree with you. I don't necessarily see them as minor premiers this year. I hadn't thought about it till you addressed it. But you would think, given their losses and the start to the season with the controversy, also travelling overseas for the World Club Challenge Series, you'd think their start of the season may not be that rosy. But Trent Robinson, great coach, as I've said numerous times. They still have a great forward pack, outstanding forward pack. If the halves can gel, no matter what that combination is in the halves, if they can gel, they'll be in the finals. Heading north of the border, Brooksy, for the last two previews for 2016, the two grand finalists. We're going to start with the runners-up, the always competitive Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos were fun to watch last year. Unfortunately, the way they played at the back end of the grand final was not fun. They parked the bus. Against one of the teams you probably want to not park the bus against. I thought it was an. In- I was at the game, and I thought it was an interesting ploy. Jeez, you get out there, Brooksy. You're I out yeah, there got out. To, I had the ANZ Stadium membership last year, Shnaz, so I was going to everything out there. A lot of our friends at ANZ. I could not believe that they were doing it. It was a four-point lead. Brooksy, I love what you said about how they were fun to watch. It's so true, and that had been coming for a few years from Anthony Griffin coached Brisbane Broncos, a very young team that was growing guys like Alex Glenn becoming permanent, great first graders. The addition of Milford was electric. He and Ben Hunt were awesome. Unfortunately, both had very disappointing grand finals. I think Broncos fans are in for another great ride this year. Yeah, they started the season off, I remember round one, they got absolutely thumped at home, 36-6, to the Rabbitohs. And everyone was like, oh, Rabbitohs going back-to-back. Let's just, let's just end the season. Why are we like that, Brooksy? I say we, not you yeah. and I, but people in general, NRL fans, particularly the NRL media, they're so reactive. Oh, Souths might be undefeated this year. What's up with the Broncos? They lost their first game by 30. Come on, guys. It's the first week. <laughs> I don't take notice of a team's form really in the moment until probably around four or five. That's why I'm a bit dirty that you and I are having our derby in week two. It's, it's like a trial match, a derby. I digress. They lost very badly that first game. Was that the English try game as well? I think so. And that's where we were just like, geez, this is going to be an amazing season for GI. But yeah, we're talking about the Broncos here. And the Broncos, well, I, I had my doubts. I was like, oh, here we go. Oh, you were one of those people? No, no. I was, yeah, oh, technically, yeah. No, no. It was, well, when you lose by 30 in the first game of the season, you, you start thinking bad thoughts. It's not good. It did come out, and after that match, they put up some big scores on some good teams. Round three, they beat the Cowboys 44-22. to 22. They towed up the Eagles 44-10 to 10 in round 13. They beat the Knights 44-22. to 22. The Tigers 42-16. to 16. They gave it back to the Rabbitohs in round 25 down in Sydney. I think the score was, it was 47-12, to 12, and that was the Milford Hunt show. Remember that game where they were scoring those ridiculous tries? I'm fascinated by that scoreline. I love it when that happens. There was the 
the mysterious field goal at the end. What, were they practicing for the finals? Or footy tab payout would have been one million four hundred sixty-two thousand four hundred seventy-one dollars. I do remember that game, and they were dominant. That was ridiculous. It, it was a great display of a team on the rise and a team on. The a line. lot of us were just like grand final. There's no way anyone's stopping them getting to the grand final. Great defense, right, Brooks? Yes, and they they came up against the Storm. In the last game of the season, I think they were resting a couple of players, both teams. They rolled. They beat the Cowboys in week one. They beat the Roosters quite well in the preliminary final, as we mentioned. And then the grand final, 17-16. Look, I, I think they can, at the end of the day, it's like a penalty shootout in football, you know, the golden point. And they got there. Unfortunately, there was an error. And, you know, it happens. It's like, you know, when someone misses that penalty goal at the end of the game, they got there. They got to the golden point. It's a successful season. Unfortunately, they didn't get the, the win. Let's go there right now, Brooksy. Ben Hunt. I became a very big fan of his probably the year before, probably in 2014. Started really seeing this guy for what a great player he is. He had an outstanding 2015. He reminds me a lot of my boy Cooper Cronk. Unfortunately... He did have an unhappy grand final all over. Not even if you, even if you discount that last error, he had an unhappy game. Anthony Milford also had an unhappy game. No one talks about the error he made in the 79th minute to turn the ball over to give the Cowboys one last shot. No one talks about that. Exactly, and they talk about Ben Hunt dropping that ball, and I get that. But this is a team sport, and I felt such sympathy for him in that moment as a somewhat fan of his, and. Yeah, no one should really ever have to go through that. And it shows what it meant to him. He didn't do the Fafita laugh. He didn't shrug it off. He started crying on the field. And that, to me, shows more manhood than lots of things. That's that's true emotion. This guy, not only is intelligent enough to know what just happened, but he's also human enough to feel it. And I actually gained even more respect for him. I mean, I'm not also not going to sugarcoat it. He should have caught the ball. It was a fundamental error in the worst moment of his life, so to speak. He'll bounce back. I don't know how many minutes exactly you racked up last year. Let's say 1,800. He played amazing for 1,800 minutes this year, and it was just one minute. And it's just unfortunate. That's sport, and sometimes it can come down to a single moment. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have been there. As we will mention, going into 2016, I think, that this team is going to be better for that. They might have lost one grand final, but I think they've put themselves in a situation to win multiple grand finals over the next couple of seasons. Yeah, like that round 25 game against the Rabbitohs, I fell in love with that, as a league fan, fell in love with those two guys and the way they play. I like it when Hunt takes on the line. He's, he won the Golden Point game against the Roosters in the regular season. And Milford, obviously, is just an attacking genius. Yeah, they're, they're going to be fun to watch again this year. They've, they've added a couple of players to their squad. No, no more spectacular than James Roberts. What a gift handed to him from oh, the Titans. This is the third time you've blown my mind in this podcast. I forgot that he was going there. <laughs> wow. They're definitely going to be in the grand final. So you think about, like, with all due respect to Justin Hodges... Wait, wait, this is not fair. There's 15 other clubs competing with them to make the, the grand final. The Broncos are there. That's it. Yeah. One team has already taken the grand <laughs> Let's final Let's just spot. stop the rest of the preview, because I think they're actually going to win. <laughs> Let's stop watching the sport. 
Call it off. That's awesome, James Roberts. Wow. There's a spoiler alert for what we think is going to happen with the Broncos season. But it, like I said, all due respect to Hodges, his 2015 season was probably one of his below-par seasons of his career. He's like Shanaz. He's got old legs. How many Achilles? I, I didn't realize that people had that many Achilles to blow. He, he was, but he was coming back quickly. and He went out gracefully. I mean, he called it when it was time. I haven't been a big fan of him on and off the field, Hodges, as a New South Wales fan as well. But he really handled the speech after the game well. And he's had an amazing career. For the Broncos to be able to replace him with James Roberts, it's just other teams must have all like collectively sighed when that decision was made. Let's not forget he'll be playing under the senior status of Wayne Bennett, who does have a great relationship with his players. They do look upon him as a father figure. He has had past indiscretions off the field. Not so much in recent times, which is good. I think he's got a family now. And Under Wayne Bennett, you'd think he'd grow even more responsible as a human being slash footballer. I listened to Dan Hunt's podcast on uh, Denon Kemp a couple of months ago, and the way others have talked about Wayne Bennett, they just have so much respect for him because he spends that time with the players off the field as well. A mentor, he's like a father figure to a lot of those guys, and he doesn't spread himself thin. He actually generally cares about these guys and will spend as much time as possible with them. And that's what, well, that's what I get from all these multiple interviews I've heard from ex-Knights, Dragons and Broncos players regarding Wayne. And that's something you've got to give credit to. I, I think it's an important role to play. And I remember I was speaking to uh, one of the Rabbitohs guys on Twitter, the Rab Republic uh, blog. And he was talking about Shane Richardson's role at South. He's going to be taking over the director of football operations. And he was saying that uh, Michael Maguire's role was sort of doing a lot of different things. And he probably, and I, th- I came to the assumption that he probably neglected a bit of that role. And, and he might be able to do what Wayne Bennett is now because he's been taken that He's all those duties of off the field, like managing the squad, um, all the balancing the the salary cap, all that stuff will be taken from him. And I think that's what Wayne, when he comes into a club, that's established. You've got that pecking order, you've got those those management levels sorted, and he can really coach the players and actually give them advice off the field as well. I'm a huge admirer of Wayne Bennett. Some people probably don't see him the same light that I do but I've read his books and I've followed his career and there is something about him that I really respect deeply respect and he might not come across that way in interviews sometimes you know if he's if he's feeling a bit non-chatty but when he does open up which is rare it's quite a fascinating listen he's got the runs on the board and there is the argument that most of the teams he've had he's had have been championship teams but I don't really buy into that you still got to get him there and you know, I, I think that a player, I think any NRL player would have the same opinion of Wayne Bennett. And to go to a club where he's coaching would be an added bonus. You could see with the Broncos team last year, they really had that discipline and that structure. They had the high, second highest completion rate in the league. They conceded the fewest penalties and missed the second fewest tackles, as we mentioned in previous podcasts. That is something that the Broncos had, and that's where I think they tried to win the game in the grand final with that sort of structure and discipline. All right, we're going to grind it out, kick to the corners, find touch. If they don't turn the ball over in the 79th minute, they win the game. Yeah. 
and we're not talking about it. Sure, you should maybe not park the bus so much, but the fact is they went for some penalty goals. They nearly won. We all have watched the game growing up, some of us have played it. You know that when you're winning a game, you want the ball dead, so you are kicking yeah. to touch. You are trying to put the ball out. And okay, they stopped the clock now and all that kind of business, so it might not be as effective as what it used to be. But I thought they were a little bit overly criticised given the fact that it was such a stunning loss for them. It's going to resonate with them for the rest of their lives. I thought, you know what? This is just hindsight talking. It's not rugby league geniuses knowing the best thing to do. Of course you're going to say that after they lose. But during the match, were you really thinking that way? It was only only when it, they got to within six or whatever. But And the, of course, the Cowboys, they can score on a dime. But I thought the criticism was a little bit harsh about parking the bus. It's pretty funny how we, as pundits, fans, journos, bag someone who's won six premierships. Well, yeah, that's why I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever bagged a guy. As, a, as we've mentioned before, I'm a Seahawks fan, and the way they handled themselves at the end of the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Pete Carroll won a Super Bowl. He hasn't won as many titles as Bennett. He won, won a college uh, championship with USC. Like he's been there and he's done that. There is an element of risk in how you play the end of a match. But if that's what got you there, it's what got you there. And your team's got to play to the way that you've coached throughout your career. And that's what and that's where the trust comes in. Brooksy, the thing is, what lost them the grand final was not parking the bus. It was two turnovers. Yeah, exactly. And that's, so that could happen even more if you're playing an attacking brand football trying to score more points against Cowboys. This year, I think Broncos fans have to be excited. I'm excited I'm not a Broncos fan. You know, it was terrible. The grand final situation was terrible. But look at this side, Schnaz. Like, you look at the names that Boyd, Oates, Reed, James Roberts, Jordan Carhu, Milford, Hunt. This is how I see the starting lineup being. Corey Parker, Alex Glenn, Matt Gillette, Adam Blair, Andrew McCulloch, Sam Thiday. That's a starting lineup, isn't it? Two players there I love watching, Corey Oates and Alex Glenn. Aside from my love for Ben Hunt and Milford, those two players. How many, how many of these guys do you love watching? I've got a lot of love. Adam Blair as well is someone that, remember he was with the Tigers after signing that big contract leaving the Storm, and everyone was like... He was criticised from pillar to post. Oh, he, only fit, he was only a good player because of the Storm. You know, the way the Storm play... Look, he went there on big money, yeah. massive money, and he didn't live up to that money. There's no argument there. He's been pretty good for the Broncos, and he's pretty good for Melbourne, and I think people still think about him in that way at the West Tigers. Oh, Adam Blair, you know. He had a heck of a season. And he stood up. Remember when Josh Maguire um, was got his season-ending injury? He stepped up, and he really provided... I think that was a situation that I saw around the mid-season point where... Uh, they might fall off at the back end of the year because they've lost that Josh Maguire. I'm a massive fan of Josh Maguire. He does, he does the runs, he does the tackles. He's absolutely. He's one of those props that will just hit you. And and they will play. And he plays a lot of minutes too. He's going to be fit and back for round one. Oh. I didn't even mention Josh Maguire in that starting lineup. Yeah. I, I I can't wait to see him come off the bench. They've got the other Nicarima, Cody Nicarima as well, who could fit into that utility role, I think, which is going to be important this year and going forward. Their hooker is underrated. Yeah. Oh, McCulloch. I think I'm going to become a Broncos fan. You just, yeah. 
They're my they're my sort of team. These underrated yeah. players. Yeah, they were one of the big like rivals for the Steelers in the late eighties, early nineties. Obviously, with the Panasonic Cup and the Tui's Challenge, and the year that we actually made the finals, we had we played them to get into the grand final. I used to despise the Broncos. Wally Lewis, Gene Miles, Wayne Bennett. Ironically, Wayne Bennett got me my first title, but. I have the same feeling with you, Schnaz, and, and this is, I guess, when we get older, we appreciate really good rugby league players and good coaches and good business in terms of how teams manage off the field. I was just thinking, Brooksy, about Adam Blair and what you were saying. So he performed really well at Melbourne, performed really well at the Broncos, not so good at the West Tigers. That, to me, says two things. Okay, maybe he took it a bit easy, maybe he might have been a bit lazy, I'm not sure of the circumstances. It also tells Don't me... Don't play in Sydney. There's that. <laughs> and that that club is nowhere near the level of professionalism that the other two clubs he's been at before and after are at. And we saw that with reasoning behind Gus Gould selecting Anthony Griffin as the coach of the Panthers. He said that... I think he did mention that when he did go up to Brisbane and analyse their structure and how they perform their training, the feeder system into the Broncos. That's how he wants Penrith to look. And Anthony Griffin was one of those people that he saw conducting that role well. I can't see why teams don't model their structures, particularly teams that are struggling, model their structures on the Broncos. They are a wealthy club. Yes. They're a very well-supported club. Most members, most social media in the NRL, most social media followers in the NRL, as we mentioned. They're a one-team town, and there's a few of those, but they've been doing it since 88 at that level, and there's no reason to suggest that it'll be anything but another great year for this club. I can't see them missing the finals at all. You'd rather just put the asterisk next to the Broncos' name to say they've qualified for the finals from round one. You would think they'd be top four. I honestly think they will be in the grand final. That That's my prediction. I don't like making predictions before the start of the year. Yeah, I said something silly before, and I'm not going <laughs> to necessarily stick to that. I'm not going to make that yeah. decision either right now, but they're, they're top four. Man. Final preview for today, and indeed the 2016 season, Brooksy. We've come so far in such a short time. We have the Premiers. For the first time ever, North Queensland Cowboys won the comp last year. A very memorable grand final. Brooksy, this is like the eighth time I've mentioned this in this podcast. You get out there, you get around, you love a live sporting event. You were in attendance for one of the greatest grand finals of all time last season. Cowboys v Broncos, ANZ Stadium. I believe there is a story involving the fact that you either missed or nearly missed the try by the Cowboys to send it into Golden Point. Is this true? I saw it. I saw the play unfold. I thought the ball went out. I didn't actually see Felt catch the ball because there was all these fans standing up. So I was on the opposite end, which ended up being the best spot to watch JT's field goal. I was on the 20-meter line 
on the other end of the field. So I had clear view. I know if anyone follows me on Instagram, I've actually videotaped that field goal. What's your Instagram details? Uh, Brooksy Nat, actually. B-R-O-O-K-E-S-Y-N-A-T. And I've got the video of that drop goal. But yeah, anyway, back to the Kyle Felt try. I thought Morgan had passed it out. I was there with two of my buddies who are Broncos fans. And I looked at them and I was like, you bastards, you've won the, you've won the grand final again. And everyone's gone up as if it's a try. And I'm like looking down going, he caught that? I thought I saw the ball go into the crowd. <laughs> and so, yeah, I did have quite a few Kosciuskos that afternoon. An evening. We got there. We got there pretty early. We got there at about 12 o'clock. Remember, it was like 35 degrees at, at midday. It was an absolute stinker. And I did quite a bit for the Kosciuszko beer sales in the first week of October for that month. Let me raise something here with you, Brooksy. Yeah. You filmed the winning field goal on your phone. Yes. Were you also watching with your naked eye yes. or through the... I did the double. The phone above me. And I could sort of, I had it on a tilt so I could sort of see what was going on, but watched it cross, cross over the, the goalpost. And the person behind you couldn't see because your phone was near. Yeah, actually, come to think of it, I probably couldn't. Hopefully they oh. were watching the coverage on, on my iPhone. Yeah, it was, it was a hell of a grand final to go to. It didn't look like they were going to make the grand final after the first three rounds, Schnaz. They lost all, those, all three of those matches. And... I think they might have been the first team in history to lose their first three and win a grand final, which was quite a quite a feat. But I guess thereafter, they looked quite solid. They won 11 straight after that loss to the Broncos in round three. And that ended with a loss to your boys, the Sharks, at hey, Townsville. Cop that. So that probably was reason why you guys got... Thumped 39 nil in the second week of the finals by the Cowboys. Bit of revenge. There's a guy who lives in Cronulla and he's obviously a Cowboys fan and his number plate is 39 nil. Oh, we were mentioning that in the last podcast with Cronulla that there could have been a few number plates up in Townsville with 39 nil, a la the Manly fans with the 40 nil number plates. They sort of crawled into the finals. They, they lost three of their last five. And then, yeah, they lost to the Broncos week one and put up some impressive matches against the Sharks and Storm before that grand final win. So That win in Melbourne was impressive, yeah? Yeah, 32-12. to 12. You know, the Storm had beaten the Roosters, as we mentioned in the Roosters part of the podcast. And, and you knew from previous years the Cowboys didn't really like week three. A lot of bad luck A lot there. of bad luck. Week two was just as bad, which was good to see them get through that Sharks game, particularly at home. But So it was, I guess it was like fourth time lucky after those heartbreaking losses to Manly, Cronulla and the Roosters in previous seasons. In a strange way, Brooksy, I'm glad they won it because I was sick of reading about it. What's going to happen now to the, the Cowboys? What's What bad luck will happen to them? What refereeing will cost them? Oh, be quiet. It would have been amazing to see Thurston kick that goal from the sideline at full time. Let me raise that with you right now, because that has been an issue with me since October 4 last year. Incidentally, my birthday, Brooksy. Did you think that Jonathan Thurston was allowed too much time to take that conversion? I think in the scheme of things... No, 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 uh, no. Rulebook, rulebook Shinazi coming was at us. He given, I'm being honest here. Was he given too much time to take that conversion? 
Schnaz, I thought the Broncos had won. I thought the ball was in the crowd. I'm probably the I'm probably the one person in the stadium, nay Australia, that probably shouldn't be commenting on this. You were buying Kosciuszko's for your Broncos, mate. Exactly. I was already. I was. I was singing the "Let's Go Broncos" song. I was waiting for the horse to do the lap around ANZ Stadium. Buck, Buck the Bronco. <laughs> I was waiting for Buck the Bronco to be doing a couple of laps around ANZ. I like Kathy Freeman. Fifteen years prior. Look, that's all very well and very very funny. I'm being serious. Was he given too much time? In my opinion, a hundred percent too much time. At one point, the referee goes over apologises to him and says, sorry, JT, you're going to have to get a move on. Channel 9's about to show Frasier. There was around, it was around four minutes. Yeah. It, There's a shot clock coming in next year for two and a half. This is to win the title. Yeah. I agree with you, Schnaz. I'm not I, a Broncos fan. Yeah. I'm a rugby league yeah. fan. That was wrong. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says about the moment and it made it more magnificent. Imagine if he got it and all that kind of thing. It's a rule. And no, I'm not a rule. I'm not a stipulant for the rules. But I'm, that was glaringly obvious to me. I'm, I'm not suggesting it should have been two, two and a half minutes on the clock exactly. But when it went to over three and then four, I think we've got a bit of an issue. Maybe uh, JT had that Eminem song in the back of his mind. You've got to lose yourself in the music, the moment, the mo- for this one shot. Do not miss your chance, you know? Like, he was just... This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, you know, and that's where... I backed him in. Oh, it was so good. It was great theatre. No, I actually had worked out that the Cowboys had scored once he put the kicking tee down. Hold off those Kosciuszko beers. think that, yeah, now that the shot clock's implemented, that we won't have this problem in the future. All I'm saying is you cannot change rules based on the experience and the emotion and the situation. That is ridiculous to even say that, in my humble opinion. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's like the whole... He had a stiff arm and connected with the head and he was sent off in the prelim final. But he should be allowed to play the grand final. It'd be like Josh Reynolds. You know how he mentioned it in the Bulldogs podcast. Like, he threw the ball out with two seconds to go. Like, oh, it's half time. Don't worry about it. Like, they could have done that. But they were like, oh, hey, Mr. Reynolds. No, this is it's a scrum. Sorry, That's it's right. not half time. That's right. I wanted to see JT kick it like anyone else. It's nothing against the Cowboys or JT. I had a serious and still have a serious issue with that moment. And I'm sorry I'm sorry to be a party. I guess because it was full time and time had expired, maybe I he understand. had plenty of time. Like, you know, they were probably a bit lenient there. I, I think the, the rule is probably for in play. Like, you know, 78th minute, there's still time. Really? You can't really ride out the clock. But well, let me say, say this. Yeah. Why didn't he get six minutes to take the shot? They were obviously trying to rush it. They couldn't like go, hey... You've got an infinite amount of time to kick this. It was more, let's move along here, buddy. I understand the severity of this kick, you know. But, yeah, you may, you raise a good point and this will be... It's another conversion, Brooksy. That's what it is. It's another conversion. Nah, you're right. But, yeah, this will be sorted out. Having said that, I congratulate your printing buddy, JT. Second title. Second title. That's right. First of the Cowboys. And congratulations to Paul Green. My man, Paul Green, former Shark. He was, obviously, Thurston's season was amazing. 34 tries this last year. Deserved winner of the Dallium Medal and Clive Churchill Award. I think he did, he played quite well in the grand final as well, trying to steer that team around. Uh, look, Michael Morgan was amazing last year. Lock, Lockie Coote after a season off. Yeah. But 
Jake Granville, their spine has finally oh, clicked, and it and it did take a bit of recruitment from the Broncos to get Jake Granville, and obviously from the Panthers to get the Coot, and they all gelled. They played well. The forward pack was amazing. They're going to be amazing again, and you can see by their gains and losses, they're they're sort of on a good thing here. They've only signed two guys, I think, from the the Titans feeder club, Jerome Hughes and Sean Hudson. So they're looking to put out a similar lineup in 2016 as to what they did last year. They haven't really lost important parts of the puzzle, I guess. Like Glenn Hall retired, Robert Louis gone, Cam King's gone to Para, Zach Santo went to the Raiders. Yeah, Zach Santo's got a bit of a future, but there's no real major losses there. No, I don't I don't think they're missing With all respect. missing anything from those losses. I was looking at some of the stats from uh, Holden Cup last year. This Gideon Mosby Geller guy looks the goods. And I think he's in their nine squad. So you'll be able to see him play in early February over in Auckland. Yeah, he's got a big future ahead of him. To have this starting lineup and to be able to, you know, you've still got your veterans like Scott Bolton, Ben Hannant, uh, Ray Thompson, Rory Jason. You've got young John Asiata. You've got Tautau Moga coming off another injury. Hopefully he can he can get back into the side. But you've got these young guys, as mentioned, Mosby Geller, Cohen Hess, uh, Ben Spiner. They'll be able to fill those roles if need be. And I think, again, the Cowboys are going to be a formidable side in 2016. You pointed out they haven't lost anyone of note and they haven't needed to buy anyone of note. And that's a pretty good sign. The coach can just go about his business and I'm sure they'll they'll throw in a few new trick shots this year but your main staples of the Cowboys success is not going to change that spine you talk about is awesome Lachlan Coote I've always liked him he's had a few injury problems but he's come out of that really nicely Michael Morgan was outstanding and he won them that grand final I don't care what anyone says JT had a career best season which is saying a lot Matt Scott James Tamau Ethan Lowe Ethan Lowe was very underrated. Ethan Lowe, if if you are looking for a back rower, like I, I believe he's off contract next year. If you're looking for a back rower, don't go and sign three guys for depth. Throw your checkbook at Ethan Lowe. I think he's going to be, you know, he might be like that Dallas Johnson, but with a bit more run game, you know, and he can kick goals. Like, Yeah, I don't want to toot my own horn, Brooksy, but a, but a certain on-air... Fox Sports Rugby League great, shall we say, asked me in March last year who my breakout players were going to be that were lesser, lesser known. And I had him in there, young Ethan. Nice humble brag, Schnaz. <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> it was clear to people who'd seen him play junior football that he has got a great work rate, great skill, and a great attitude for a young guy. And he will continue to grow. And it's an important position. The back row is an important position. You need to be you need to be strong, physical, smart about how you play that position. And their other second rower, Gavin Cooper. Okay, he's been getting a bit more of the limelight because he's scoring a lot of tries through JT's left that combination. attack. He's improved out of sight playing next to a guy like JT. And he's not going anywhere. He's going to be a very, very good footballer for the next few years. Yeah, he, that combination has been amazing for the Cowboys. And remember that comeback against Parramatta where I think they were down 
by four converted trials. Like they were they were down by quite a bit. Which is a premiership winning team right there. You gotta you gotta say. Like that's not a fluke. Yeah, thirty six they they won thirty six thirty in that match and it was that combination that really sparked that comeback in terms of we're down, what do we do? Let's just go back to the drawing board. All right. Thurston was like, I know Gav's out on that left edge. Let's really work him over. You know, I remember watching that Monday night game just going, it, you could see it coming. The writing was on the wall because it was the Eels and it was the Cowboys. Like, if there was one team to give up a lead, it was the Eels. If it was one team to catch up or get that comeback, it was the Cowboys. We've all been there, Brooksy, and it's awful when that's your team yeah. that's happening to and you cannot stop it oh. and they can't stop it. It's just, it's just like, just defend. What are you doing? It's just... You're in that moment and it's sport and it's physical yeah. and you're mentally momentum. and physically drained. It's, it's just, momentum. Oh. Well, yeah, like we've mentioned, like this this squad is going to be up there again this year, Schnaz. Going to throw it out to you. Have to do it for every team that wins a premiership. This drought of a team going back-to-back has now extended another season. 92-93, yeah. Broncos, yeah. This is now, like, everyone's been talking about, no one can ever do it, but... Why are they saying that? <laughs> because it hasn't happened, but I think it's getting to the stage now where it's like, it's extra motivation. You know who can do it? This team we're talking about. Yeah. No squad changes. Yeah. Same coach. Yeah. They're going to have a tough start to the season, like a, like a lot of teams who are traveling overseas. Uh, it's, it takes a lot out of you physically, but I think by the time the season warms up, as long as they have enough wins under their belt going into Origin, or which is always a tough period for them, coming out of that, there's no reason why they can't be chasing the top four. Yep. And we know how dangerous they are. And I've heard people, just punters and even some journos, say that it's going to be a hangover year for them and they, they can't. They, they might not make the eight. And, and I just look at them and go, why are you saying such stupid things? Not only is it January... <laughs> But why are you saying such stupid things? Why, why, why couldn't they make the eight? That is ridiculous. Can you explain to me people's stupidity? Because I'm really struggling with no, it. No, I have my moments. I say some ridiculous don't stuff. Don't be silly. And don't I, be silly. I don't mind pointing out people when they <laughs> say stupid stuff as well. I really think the Cowboys can give it a shake. Is it because they might miss the eight for whatever reason? And then they can look like a hero and go, I told you so back in January. Just like, is that just why like you said it? about Ethan Lowe, right? <laughs> no, toot, no, toot. no, but that's... Is that why people are stupid? No, I don't think it is. Or I, is it a genuine belief? People like to say different things to what everyone else is saying. Right. And I think, and that's, a, you know, it's like that whole tall poppy syndrome sort of thing that people like to, you know, if someone's successful, they don't necessarily like to ride that wave of success. They'd rather try and bring him down. Was it 2010 the Panthers went deep into the finals? 2010? But they, but they didn't deserve to be there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. What? Why are you saying that? Oh, th- that team's in the finals, but that, that you know they don't deserve to be there. No, they've just won enough games to be there. I, and that's what's great about rugby league. You get all these differing sort of opinions, and, and that's what you do love about sport. And that's why we follow it. If everyone went for the same team or thought the same thing, it wouldn't be worth doing. How do you think they're going to I don't. I, I have to disagree with the people that say that the Cowboys won't be there. They really want to go back-to-back. And I believe some parts of North Queensland are still celebrating that win. Uh, I, th- I think I saw a few drunk guys at the Townsville Crocs game when I was doing a bit of NBL work. I, I really believe this team is going to have a go at this title. I think they'll be there. I Look, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. We've reviewed all the teams. We've done. A, I've I've pretty much looked into every team as you have done yourself, Schnaz. I really like the chances of a Broncos Cowboys Grand Final again. I think it would be great to see that, but I genuinely think that that we'll be seeing those two teams at the Grand Final. There is a strong chance. Doing these pre- previews today, they are the two teams that are kind of glaringly in my eyesight now. Everyone else has got their chances and their highs and lows and their pros and cons. But gee, what are we saying about the Broncos? They parked the bus a bit. Ooh. And they nearly won a grand final. And what are we saying about the Cowboys? Nothing bad at all. They haven't changed, so that might be a bad thing. I I love like rugby league change is probably a bad thing. You know, that you you're changing up a lot of your players. Like there's there's a lot of things it's to gonna learn. It's going to take a t- it's going to take a while for them to gel, Nathan. All the Cowboys need to do is to really practice new plays, new things, and they've got the they've probably got the one player that you would want controlling your team to change things up. And you see the way they play ad-lib football as well, the Cowboys, like Michael Morgan, Kyle Felt. I haven't even touched on that, Schnaz. You watch Kyle Felt the last few seasons, the way he finishes. That was the one player you would want on that play to put that ball down, I think. I reckon he's got an amazing strike rate that close to the corner post to be able to put that ball down. I pine for the days, Brooksy, of when teams did have the same lineup for years at a time. There's too much there's too much chopping and changing. I look back to some of the glory years for my club and the one that sticks out is when John Lang coached the Sharks. And he had a very similar team for the large part of his eight, nine, ten years there, and a lot of success made pretty much every semi-final series. And I, I think there's a real benefit in having the same team. Obviously, if your team's no good, it's not so good. But as long as your team has that that natural ability together and that bond, I think it's only a good thing. I think that's an advantage compared to other teams going into 2016. It won't be a great story to see a team like the Cowboys just show the league that, hey, we've got the guys that we want here. They're playing together well. They're gelling. They all get along. We're going back to back. And it's not like, oh, we need to recruit 20 new guys. You know, we're going to upgrade the squad throughout, you know, by getting rid of this guy, adding this guy. Oh, this guy's now a free agent. We need to throw him in at the detriment to who we've already got. And we're seeing that with a few of the clubs that were reviewed. And I think that this could be a really good thing for the Cowboys that they haven't changed that much. Like I said, I think this could be a grand final team again. I'm just looking forward to seeing this all play out over the next couple of months. Brooksy, that brings us to the end of this episode. Again, it's been my pleasure to do this with you. I love podcasting with you, my friend. We want to thank everyone who's been in touch with us, getting some really great feedback from all sorts of fans from all over the world, believe it or not. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys, so please don't hesitate to get in touch. How can people get in touch with us, Brooksy? Well, we're on iTunes. It's The League Life. We're on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com forward slash League Life NRL. We're on Facebook. We've got a page, The League Life with Brooksy and Schnaz. 
and we're on Twitter at League Life NRL. As Shnaz said, we love the feedback. It's great to hear you're enjoying the podcast. We're enjoying making it. We're learning. Hopefully, you guys are, are loving what we're saying and also critiquing what we're saying. We love any feedback whatsoever. We're not adverse to any criticism. And Supercoach and NRL Fantasies been released. Well, we've had so much to talk about, Brooksy, that we haven't even touched on Supercoach. Let's leave that for the next episode. And by then, everyone will have their teams ready, probably active as well. Yeah, and send those in too. We would like some screenshots of your teams, of, of, of how you're going to dissect the league and pick your 25 players. It'd be great to see because then I'm going to copy your players and put them in my team. No. <laughs> It'll be like that time you sent me the screenshot of your golfing fantasy team. Oh, VJ Singh and Ernie Els were must-buys that year. Brooksy, I'll catch you very shortly, my friend. Have a good week. I will see you, see you in the hallways at Fox Sports. Marcus, bye for now.